And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Ants, welcome to Anything is Potable! Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I'm joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself. Some folks refer to him as El Nino. That's right, from the Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And we are coming to you Thursday night after the Boston Celtics absolutely destroy the Milwaukee Bucks. 140 to 99 in just a game that it was just ridiculous from pretty much the second quarter on Jay, I got to be upfront. I was doing my live stream on my other show. So I wasn't as much locked into the game as I, I think I would normally be Explain to me what happened out there. How the hell did the Celtics win by 41 points? Wait, you were live streaming about the game. So you were less locked in on the game. Yeah, because I was like engaged in discourse and jokes and discussions with the on the Trill Withers show uh, live on YouTube. So I wouldn't say I was like taking notes and noticing like adjustments and and things like that or like offensive schemes and such. So that's why I'm relying on you on the uh, you know the professional journalist. Yeah, it wasn't a real big like offensive scheme game. <laughs> it was it was more of a uh, Bucks didn't have it and the Celtics had all of it game. Um, I think my man Gary Washburn tweeted something pretty appropriate, which was that the Celtics got a filthy Jason Tatum and a filthy Jalen Brown. Yeah. There was a lot of filth. Uh, But it wasn't just them. It was like Al Horford hit a number of threes. Robert Williams destroyed the Bucs on the glass. Malcolm Brogdon got to the paint whenever he wanted in the first half. Um, It was... And they did a great job on Giannis. They did a great job on the rest of the Bucks. They Milwaukee found no success whatsoever at the three point arc. Even the Celtics, like with Blake Griffin, they even ate a headbutt. <laughs> that was a wild, wild move decision by Finalysis uh, over there. That I, that was hilarious, honestly. Like to get headbutted and then to laugh. Yeah, but to get headbutted in the face and then immediately laugh at it, I thought was a strong move by Blake Griffin. Like that's that was such a strong move. And and you know he felt it. Like you don't get headbutted and just not feel it. No, that's like, like normally that's like we'll break your nose. And that, on top of all that, like maybe Chris Middleton did break his nose. Like that was more blood I've seen on a basketball court in a while. That was that was startling. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully he's okay. Um, the thing about this game is that it's like, was such a blowout and such like an insane game where they bucks outscored or the Celtics outscored the bucks by 20 points in the second quarter. 
Like it was so ridiculous just heading into halftime and the and the Bucks never were able to make any sort of run or make it close. That's like, I don't even know how much you can take away from this game. Like clearly the Celtics, there's no need to worry about the Wizards game. Like they obviously don't play well against opponents they don't respect. But in games that matter, the Celtics are going to bring it. But like, I don't know, this is like very representative of like who the Milwaukee Bucks are. Yeah, I definitely don't think it's representative of who the Bucks are. From the Celtics' perspective, there are some things from this game that I think are very promising. Um, like you could just see how Malcolm Brogdon is going to make a major difference in this particular matchup because the Bucks have a lot of size. They have Drew Holiday. They have Giannis inside. They have Brooke Lopez inside. But one thing they're short on, and still short on, even after adding Jake Crowder and Joe Ingles, is like perimeter defenders that are laterally quick. And and Brogdon is not like the most explosive guy himself, but he could just beat you. And if he gets an inch on you, he's at the rim. Imagine how good he'd be if he used a ball screen. (laughs) Man does love to reject ball screens. Um, But but you can just see like. If Joe Ingles is on him, even if Crowder's on him, if some of the lesser defenders from the Bucks are on him, it's like that's a really good matchup for him and guys he can take off the dribble. And if he gets into the paint, then it's going to open things up for everybody else. Um, and I just thought like Jalen Brown was amazing in the first quarter. He was unreal. And he helped open up the Bucks defense a little bit, like just hit some really, really tough shots, really got the Celtics going. And then – once things opened up, it was like, like it just everything clicked. That that was a an incredible performance by the Celtics. And I don't know how much of it is and just the kind of bo- hilarious after the Wizards game. <laughs> after the Wizards game, uh, after like the the full meltdown uh, that is Celtics Twitter after any Celtics loss to an inferior opponent, just to respond with that, it's very funny. Um, the thing that was just like interesting to me about this game is that for the first six minutes of the second quarter. The Bucs just didn't score, and I thought the Celtics just did a really good job of slowing down their offense, um, and Giannis was not, I think, I think that's when he's taking his first rest to start the second quarter, but that's where, if you have to have confidence as a Celtics fan heading into this matchup against the Bucs, is that it's something the Bucs struggled with last year against the Celtics, is that their half-court offense this year has not been... Uh, very like it's been, I guess, average, but it's not the most efficient. The, like the Bucks win games based on the, mostly of their defense, and so how are the Bucks going to score points in the half court against a like very locked in Celtics team? I thought the Bucks like obviously they missed some shots that you normally like wouldn't uh, expect them to miss, but I just thought the Celtics did a very good job of just playing solid defense there, especially in the second quarter, where it's like oh the Bucks have scored four points in the first six minutes of this quarter. Uh, and so where is the Bucks' offense going to come from uh, if it's not from Giannis? And, and if the Celtics can put all of their attention on Giannis, other guys are going to step up. And maybe Drew Holiday's a little bit tired from scoring 50 against the Pacers last night. Uh, maybe you give him a, a bit of a excuse there, but they just didn't have anything uh, other than Giannis tonight. And so I think that's just going to be a, a very interesting uh, kind of facet to pay attention to if these two teams do match up in the playoffs. It's like, where are the Bucks getting their secondary offense or secondary creation if the Celtics are giving so much attention to Giannis and like building the wall and doing kind of all the all the things you need to do to slow Giannis down? 
Yeah, and I, I mean, honestly, the Bucks that was not a good performance by them. Like Jalen Brown had three or four backdoor cuts that were just wide open. Um, they allowed Robert Williams to just get literally every single offensive rebound. Uh, they were three for 22 from the three-point arc in the first half and missed, like, honestly, some pretty good ones. So that they'll, they'll be better, but... And they were, they were on their fifth game in seven nights. Like, I, I wish the NBA had scheduled this game on a day when both teams had at least one day of rest beforehand. Five five games in seven nights, second night of back-to-back for Milwaukee. So that's a tough turnaround. That's a tough schedule. Um, they were just coming off a road trip. So this was definitely not the Bucks at their best. I don't want to pretend that it is, it was. But it's also another sign that the Celtics probably have another level to reach that they haven't reached consistently in a while and that they reserve for the big games, the games against top teams. They are now five and one against the 76ers and Bucks combined. The one loss was in February when Tatum, Brown, Smart, and Horford all sat and they still took a pretty full Bucks roster. I don't think Middleton played into overtime. And then they kicked the shit out of the Bucks on Christmas Day. They kicked the shit out of the Bucks tonight. They beat Philly at the buzzer one time, but the other two were like not right down to the wire. They weren't blowouts, but wasn't like weren't like super, super close games that were in in jeopardy at the end. Um and I know head-to-head matchups don't always mean everything, but the Celtics have to be pretty confident about the way they've played against the two other top contenders in the East. And like from a standpoint of they're going to be the number two seed in all likelihood, they're going to have to go into Milwaukee on the road. This, we don't know about that. They're only one game back of the Bucks right now. I believe they're... Two games back of the Bucks. That hasn't been uh, my NBA standings have not been updated. Oh, you're right. You're right. Never mind. Two games back of the Bucks. They're going to be the two seed. I retract my statement. Yeah. Uh, and so th- this just felt like them giving a statement. Like it's okay that we're going to be on the road. These guys t- couldn't beat us at home last year. They're not even going to come close to beating us tonight. And if there is a psychological advantage, and I don't know if there is because Giannis is, he seems pretty like, <laughs> you can't touch that guy psychologically. He's got a good mentality. Yeah. Good approach yeah. to the game. Uh, but if there is one, like that's the type of performance that could leave a mark. And, I'll just, uh, I'll just say this. Stick with you. I'll say this. I feel much better about the Celtics tonight after they won by 41 than I would had they lost by 41. Um, and I don't, that might be a bold take by me, but I'm willing to say it. Um, <laughs> I think the thing that's interesting is that I like, maybe it's just the stain of the, uh, like the Kyrie season, but I'm kind of skeptical of the idea of like teams being able to flip the switch and just like being able to turn it on for the playoffs. It is something like, I think LeBron James teams were able to do in the past and kind of coast in the regular season. 
But if we've seen anything from the Celtics team post All-Star break is that they kind of have been coasting and but they do have the ability to flip the switch. They have flipped the switch in games which they <laughs> feels like they respect their opponent. They bring it and then they play their best basketball and they've clearly had some letdowns against teams that they don't respect as much. But it was like the three most important games I can remember outside uh, after the All-Star break are the Sixers, Kings and this game. And they played their three best basketball games in those games. And so I think there's re- like some reason to be skeptical of like just being you know, like rec- like relying on turning it on in the moments that matter. But that being said, it feels like when the Celtics need to lock in, they've shown that they have like a, a complete ability to do that. And But they haven't. I would say they haven't been like the switch hasn't been off. Obviously, the Wizards game was bad. That was ugly. That was disgusting. What about the Rockets? There's been the Rockets game. There's been some nights when the switch has been off. Like uh, agreed, but but then you look at the like you zoom out a little bit, and it's like they're eight and three in their last eleven games. I mean, yeah, they're still fifty three and twenty four. They just beat the Bucks by forty something. Before well, yeah. the Wizards lost, they won three games by a combined ninety two points, which was, I believe, the most. They've ever won three straight games by in franchise history. Like it it doesn't it's not like they've just been shitty every single night and and they need to reach a level that they never have. Like I actually think for the most part, they they flip the switch a little earlier. Um and, and it's already flipped, with the exception of that Wizards game. All right. Well, now the the light switch metaphor is getting a little too sweaty here. But what I'm trying to say is that they have an ability to lock in, especially against those best teams. And I think that has to give you confidence as a Celtics fan moving into the playoffs. I think the question now is they've got how many games left? Four? They've got a back-to-back. Like I have no idea what's going to happen again in this Jazz game tomorrow night, but they've got five games left. Uh, one game against the Sixers. Which Oh, they're definitely know. losing to the Jazz, right? I feel like it. They have to lose to the Jazz. Like uh, Al Horford's not going to play. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if like other guys get the night off. Uh, it's weird to have. Like, why would you? Why does the NBA have so many back to backs this late in the season? Like as teams are preparing for the playoffs, it feels like if you're going to do anything, put the back to backs earlier in the season to try and like have teams as ready as possible. But it feels like they're pretty locked into this two seed. I don't know what the approach is in terms of resting guys and making sure everyone's healthy. I thought it's great that on the first night of a back-to-back, they can limit Tatum and Brown to basically 30 minutes in this game. Al Horford only 22 games. Is Al Horford going to do the thing tonight where he lies to the media and says he might play tomorrow night in the back-to-back, or do you think he can? Yes, probably. I would assume so. If someone asks him, but I don't think anyone will ask him because now we just know he'll lie straight to people. (laughs) We know he's just willing to be dishonest. That's fair. (laughs) Adam Himmelsbach just tweeted that the mood in the Celtics locker room is the same as it was after the Wizards loss. Basically normal. Can't get too high. Can't get too low. They're Kaizen and Alphas. They're mental warriors. They've kind of been that way after every win, every loss. Like they're, they really are kind of just a steady team in that regard. And I feel like funny because Marcus Smart on their side, like you wouldn't think they'd be super steady, especially after losses, but for the most part, they they really have. They're not concerned by much, one way or another. And like it, it makes sense. It it's maybe just like lends credence to the argument that the NBA season is just entirely too long. 
but they feel like they came in super focused and kicking ass at the start of the season. And then just the general malaise of the NBA season took over. I, I guess I'm being too hard on the team for, for just remembering the, the, the Hornets loss and the Wizards loss, but they've been very good this entire year and extremely focused. And I think taking on the personality of both Jason Tatum and Joe Mazzula, who are very much, I guess, in the model of, of, of Brad Stevens of don't get high, don't get too low. There's a larger goal here. Um, and it feels like they're, after this win, you have to have a lot of confidence about them heading into the playoffs, at least to, uh, like, it feels like it's a competition between them and the Milwaukee Bucks at this point. And like, it, that's, this you're week, just totally disregarding the Sixers. I feel like I've totally disregarded the Sixers for months now. But probably years. Yeah, no, I mean, I was at the confetti <laughs> game. I, I think I have plenty of reason to disregard the Sixers. You stole confetti from the confetti game. I don't think I stole it. I don't think it had any owners. Uh, it was they left it on the floor. They were going to throw it all away. I just merely picked some of it up. You, you fine. You you snatched confetti. I, I didn't. You I commandeered to, confetti. I, I absolutely commandeered confetti, and I gave it to some great podcast listeners out there. You looted confetti. I gave it to some guy in a bar uh, who came up to you and was like, "Yeah, Packer gave me that no, confetti." You didn't give it to him. Oh, remember? No, I clearly don't. Because <laughs> yeah. His whole point was that you were ready to give it to him, um, but we were doing some contest, and I shut it down. And I was like, no, he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> and so he came up to me in a bar to tell me I was the only reason he didn't get the confetti. Oh, that's too bad. Um, I mean, I think so I'm sorry. I'm sorry to that guy, um, but you know, there's some lucky folks out there with confetti. I think there it's an opportunity now to tune into to someone to c- kind of continue these positive vibes. I would love to hear what our main man Joshua B has is feeling after a oh, forty-one point victory. He's going to be so victory. fired up, Joshua oh, man, B. He's be fired up. What are you feeling right now after a forty-one point victory? Oh, I'm, I'm I'm feeling good, but I think that you guys can be even a little more positive because this particular game wasn't about the Celtics. I know it looks like it's about the Celtics because they're the ones who scored 140 points. But this game <laughs> really taught you some lessons about the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I've got two of them for you. First is that in order for the Bucks to even compete with the Celtics, um, four players are going to have to play 48 minutes a night, those four <laughs> players. Drew Holiday, Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Brooke Lopez. And the thing about it is, is that Brooke Lopez can't play 48 minutes against the Celtics because we have Al Horford and we have Mike Muscala and we're just going to play five out against them. We're going to take Brooke Lopez out of the paint. He's going to have to guard the three-point line where he's infinitely less effective than when he's down in the paint. And their entire defense, for the most part, just craters. We're not Mitchell Robinson, right? We're not Joel Embiid. We have players who can shoot the three at a high clip and bury those threes, not just like when the clock is expiring, like in Joel Embiid's case, we actually have like players who want to shoot the three and we're going to drag Brooke Lopez out of the paint. And so what's going to end up happening is they're going to sub him out um, for 26 minutes a night or, or 20, 20 minutes a night. And we're going to, we're going to take advantage against that every single time. Like that's something that we can do as Celtics um, fans. And it's, by the way, it's going to be the same. The reason you don't respect the Sixers is because in order for the Sixers to beat us, Joel Embiid is not going to um, just need to play out of his mind. 
He's also going to need help from the referees. The referees are going to have to give him those 20 free throws, or they're not going to be able to hang with us either. That's lesson number one, is that those guys are going to have to play 48 minutes a night, and they're not going to be able to play 48 minutes a night. And if they can't play 48 minutes a night, then what are, then, then they're not going to be able to hang with the Celtics. Second thing you learned about the Bucks tonight that was really, really important um, to just remember and to, to always hold in your heart. It's that they can't defend the three-pointer well. It doesn't matter what the stats say. You know it in your heart. You remember the Grant Williams batting practice threes that were taken last year. And the Celtics remember that too. Like, everybody remembers that. That's, that's not going to be, like, a state secret. Everybody knows that the, that the Bucks can't defend the three-pointer. And we know that when we shoot over, I think it's like 40, I think it's like 35% or something like that, from three that we're undefeated. Am I right on that, Jay? You'll you'll know. There's a stat out there where it's like if we're over 35% from three, we're like 29 and 0, 28 and 0, something like that. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the number is, but yeah, they've been very good whenever they've made threes. Yeah. And and you saw it again tonight, and you have in your memory, in your soul, emblazoned that a Mike Budenholzer team is always going to struggle shooting from three. And all of this to say. The Celtics want to be in the two seed because the two teams that really have given us problems this year are Cleveland and New York. Those are the two teams. And if seeding holds the way seeding holds right now and Philadelphia doesn't go into some kind of swoon, they will be the four and five seed on the opposite side of the Bucs. And one of those teams will face the Bucs. The Bucs will beat one of those teams. And then we will stop the Bucs because you can play with Joel Embiid. Brooke Lopez can play on the same floor as Joel Embiid. And he can play on the same floor as Mitchell Robinson, but he can't play on the same floor as Al Horford. And all of this leads me all the way back to um, the original question. Uh, Well, to sort of the original point that I wanted to get to, which is that the Golden State Warriors last year, I seem to remember having a march very similar to this one, where they started off kind of lazy and they started going in and out, and yet they turned it on just about a week before the playoffs and they cruised all the all the way is it possible that we learned not just from the warriors in the playoffs but that we also learned how to manage our team from the greats uh from, from the great management of steve kerr and bob myers and brought that management and brought that playing style all the way over to the boston celtics thanks guys so hold on what, what do you mean by the management i think he's gone I guess we'll just have to guess. I think it's like uh, basically not going. It's kind of a similar point to like Coley made last week where it's like not going balls to the wall for the final couple months of the season. And like the dub minutes totals totally disagree. It's not about it's not about the minutes, man. It's about the high leverage minutes or the intensity. It's not just minutes. You can't just tally minutes. But can we just talk about it for a second? Just like I was expecting uh, Joshua B to come in guns blazing like with high energy and it actually came in with a kind of quiet confidence that was a little scary to me like yeah that, that you could you could really feel it coming off of him. yeah he was just that was just a man who knows what's up and just like felt it and he kept on talking about our heart and our soul and i was like oh joshua b it's not just like blind exuberance uh tonight it was just a man who's on a mission and he feels like he 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 has embodied the Boston Celtics right now. He's not going to get high. 
or get too low, but he just has this quiet confidence moving forward. That was uh, it was impressive. It was a different level of Joshua B tonight. It really was. That was a new side of Josh. And and granted, like it's a little late, and he did tell us that he, he was going to stay up for this, which would suggested that he would normally be asleep at this time, or at least in bed. Um, so maybe that had a little bit to do with the the different energy, but I, I I did feel that too. He's he is a satisfied man right now. He Absolutely. he he watched that and it affirmed everything he believed about the Boston Celtics and everything he believed about the Milwaukee Bucks. And but and you don't that just you, left him in great peace right now. You don't buy at all his argument that they uh, have a better approach to this season because they are, uh, I guess, resting teams or taking it, uh, not having their foot on the gas to end the season like the Warriors did last year. Uh, so here's where that argument falls apart a little bit. Uh, number one, like I said, the the minutes per game. Like Jason Tatum is second in the league in minutes per game. Jalen Brown is. Enter tonight 12th in minutes per game. And so so Joe Mazzula has not decided to take it easy on those guys. Um, I know, but if they basically take a whole then, night off themselves in Washington, isn't that the same then, thing? Like those minutes don't count. But then there was some obvious frustration from players. Jalen Brown was pissed off with the way the Celtics were playing, wanted to light a fire under their ass. Al Horford was pissed off with the way the Celtics were playing, basically told him like, it's fucking time, guys. Let, let's let's do this um and so it, i do believe they've benefited from their hot start like going 21 and 5 at the beginning of the season building the cushion that they had for the first seed it's just yes they they probably lost the number 1 seed for good they probably will have to go into milwaukee on the road and beat them if both teams get to the eastern conference finals but the path to the number two seed is totally different this season. Like last year, they had to win and 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 win to get there. Now, like, they don't have to play great. <laughs> they can but that's the, I think the argument is that there's some benefit to that where they don't have to win their final 20 games basically to get to the two seed. Like they can be a bit more relaxed and you know what? Take a night off against the wizards or take a night off against the rockets. And there's like, I think the argument is that there's some long-term benefits to a team that ran out of gas last year, not having to play, not having to finish the regular season, going to balls to the wall every single game. Plus they won't have to play Chris Porzingis or Franz <laughs> Wagner or Mo Wagner for that matter in the playoffs. <laughs> Which well, you don't you don't deal. know that yet. I mean, one of those teams might make a run at the ten, uh, a wild play and run. The Wizards are only two games back of the Bulls right now for the tenth seed. Yeah, probably not happening. But, <laughs> but I yeah, do. Th- I-, I do think yeah. Joshua B's point about Al Horford and like the how the team matches up against the Bucks and the 76ers is important. And they, we yeah, talked about this definitely. last episode about how like. Derek White and Robert Williams are so important to this team, but in those two matchups, having Al Horford and having the ability to go five out and dragging Brooke Lopez and Joel Embiid out of the paint is going to be so important for this Celtics team in the playoffs. And it's the the Bucks did struggle last year defending the three. I feel like I don't. Uh, they, they've have, changed that around totally. They, yeah, this year I feel like they're one gonna, of the best at preventing three point attempts this year, actually. And so I don't know how much of that is like, yes, Jason Tatum hit eight threes tonight, 
Some of them were just those crazy step back Jason Tatum threes that he can make. Um, I don't know how indicative that is of the Bucks offense. I do feel like the numbers show that they've gotten way better at preventing the three and, and Bud has made that adjustment of just like before the Bucks' entire MO was like, we are going to give up the three and just protect the paint. I do feel like they've gotten put a more of an emphasis on running teams off the line. Obviously, that was not evident tonight. But I, like no matter what, Al Horford playing center and being able to then play smaller and five out is going to be huge against uh, any series against the Bucks or the Sixers. Yeah, and, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's ability to hit threes off pull-ups like when those guys are both hitting threes off the dribble, like good fucking luck to a team with a real center on the court. If Tatum's hitting his sidestep, like switching everything. If like, Tatum's hitting his sidestep consistently, like I, there's just no way to defend the Celtics. And he hasn't all season. No, <laughs> he has not. This is a, a rare game we, from him to hit eight of ten. Yeah, which is like way below his career norms. Uh, so he's actually due for some positive regression, but. Tonight, Pos- positive regression would be a uh, ascension, and and if he and Jalen are hitting those shots against Milwaukee, like it's just really tough for those guys to keep up. Um, and same with Joel Embiid, just because as good as Lopez and Embiid are, their strengths are not like getting up to the three point arc and chasing guys around the perimeter. That's just not what they're best at. Um, and then the other piece of Al Horford playing at center, which I think is very important. Like last year, they played big. And they almost always went big. When Robert Williams was out, they just played Daniel Tice. And they played Grant Williams at power forward. They're much better at going small this year. And obviously tonight wasn't really indicative of what Milwaukee can do. Obviously it wasn't indicative of what Giannis can do like – I don't think he'll usually finish with just 24 points on 27 shots, which is just ludicrous to look at. I do think this is only three free throw attempts. Um, But if they can hold up defensively with Marcus Smart on him, with Al Horford at center, with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as your two forwards, with Derek White out there, then that's just going to be a really tough group for Milwaukee to guard. And and I don't know, honestly, if that defense will hold up like that. Um, but they were able to get away with it against Giannis tonight. They were able to protect the rim against Giannis tonight. And they rarely played, I don't know exactly how many minutes Robert Williams and Al Horford played together, but it wasn't a lot. Um, and part of that was like they were just kicking ass in the second half. Starters didn't play the fourth quarter, whatever. But... But I do think they're just much better at playing smaller groups now. They know how to do it. They had to do it when Robert Williams was out for 29 games. And and that's going to actually really benefit them in in those matchups if if they can defend the rim against Giannis, against Embiid when they're small. I think that's a big question is like if they need to go big and play both Robert Williams and Al Horford, do they have enough offense with those lineups uh, to kind of survive if like – you know, Giannis is just dominating. They need to bring in like kind of that Robert Williams help defense. I think like I, your point's very good that they're much better at going small. They're more equipped to go small with Brogdon and White and just playing those lineups. But it's like, can they have offense adjust if they do have like uh, are played into a situation where they need to go big? Um, but we'll see. I really like, thought Brogdon kicked ass tonight too. Like his stats looked kind of normal. 
for him, like 14 points, five assists. He only shot six for 13 from the field, missed all four of his threes. But he was a major reason in the second quarter. He just beat his guy off the dribble like every time. Yeah, eight points in the second. uh, No, that was the third quarter. Uh, But I thought he was very good in the second quarter. He was a plus 19. He also scored eight points there. And it was just like real reason why they were just able to pull away. And yeah, he just got to the bucket with ease, easy dunks, easy layups. And that's just kind of what he's been doing uh, this entire year. And it's just like such a kind of like nice change of pace of them for like Tatum's uh, on the bench. And it's just like, all right, we're going to just give the offense to Malcolm Brogdon for these six minutes here and just let him create. And he has, he's still shooting like 44% from three and still, you know, generating good looks on the offensive end. He's just a very nice like luxury for them to have, which is just completely didn't have that depth at the guard position last year. Yeah. Yeah. He, Brogdon is, and I think he's especially important against some of the top teams. But when your offense is going to snag, stagnate a little bit, obviously it didn't much tonight. But like to have another guy to beat guys off the dribble is is going to be really important in big games. Um, Let's go to every, everyone was great tonight. Like that was a just a ridiculous effort, honestly. <laughs> Absurd 40, 40 point win. Uh, let's go right now to Brandon B, who's been waiting. Brandon, thank you for joining us here on Anything Is Potable. Hey guys, how y'all doing? Good. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, pretty good, man. Actually, getting pretty late tonight, but uh, that was a great win. So, my thoughts are, and you probably have already touched on this tonight because I, I I tapped in late, but is this a misnomer? I mean, was this simply like a a great shooting out by the by the Celtics where they took the lead early and just just never took the the the, the hammer off the uh, pedal and the the Bucks were kind of like ah eh, well, okay um, or is this something that like we saw a formula to win because it's going to be the Celtics and the and the Bucks in the end so I don't know like I'm just not sure what to believe in as a Celtics fan. If, if we saw, like, what can actually be possible versus one hell of a game, if that makes sense. Hey, I'm I, sure I think, I think it's already, so it's – I'm sorry. I, I think it's probably a bit of both. Um, like, Milwaukee scoring 36 points in the paint, that's a super promising stat for the Celtics. They started their small backcourt. Robert Williams only played 18 minutes. He's still on a minutes restriction, I believe. Um, they were able to limit Giannis. They got threes when they wanted them. Horford lit up Lopez. Like, everything you'd want to see in that matchup was was there. Um, Brogdon was, was beating Ingles and Crowder and those guys off the bounce. Like, every advantage you, you would want them to – to take to capitalize on, they they capitalized. Um, but I also like that was not Milwaukee at Milwaukee's best. They will do things differently. They will play harder. Giannis will be better. Um, but but that was like just a powerhouse performance. No, but I I, up, I I hear what he's saying. Inter forty nine. I think it got to fifty at some point. No, um, forty nine was their biggest lead. Oh well. Wrong. 
Incorrect. But I do. It got so ridiculous in the second half that it was like, oh my, it, like this isn't a real basketball game. But I do think it's definitely no, like a bad sign. But I don't think they're going to be beating Milwaukee by forty in the playoffs. But it is a good sign that's just like they have the capability of shutting the Bucks down uh, and they uh, and just scoring at will against a, a Bucks team. I don't know. They are coming off. A, a, it was the second night of a back to back, but. It was they were nine and two in back to backs before this, but there's fifth five game and seven nights. So I don't think you can take away this game and like guarantee that the Celtics are like going to win the East now. It's just uh like it's just a good sign to be playing uh and, like very good basketball against the best team in the or one of the best teams in the East. And the bigger point beyond just what happened tonight is like do the Celtics have that extra level? Can they still get to a place that they haven't shown consistently? Um, and Kendrick Perkins said something on TV about how he was talking to Danny Ainge, and Danny Ainge just said, they're bored, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's a long regular season, they're bored. And I think some people inside the Celtics organization feel the same way. Uh, like, they just think guys haven't been fully focused. They came back from the All-Star break, just kind of took their foot off the gas a little. Think over the last five games, with the obvious exception of when they got Porzingis, they have really kicked ass over these last over the other four games in those that five game stretch, um, and they've consistently brought a different level against the best teams, the teams that they've, they consider the best, and so so that that's promising, and obviously that that's going to matter most. They're going to have to. Going to Milwaukee and and beat Milwaukee on the road in the playoffs. Um, they might have to beat Philly before that, although I think Cleveland is like kind of sneaking up on them, at least a little bit. Ah, uh, they're I still two and a half games back of the 76ers. so that'd be kind of kind of wild. Two, the 76- two in the loss column, right? Three in the loss column. Three in the last call. All right, yeah, yeah. So that's probably not going to happen. So it's basically going to be one Milwaukee, two Boston. It's going to be. Philly, it's going to be the path to the Cleveland. finals is uh, Miami, Philly, Milwaukee, and so it's like you, if you're a Celtics fan, it's all your old foes, and you probably like don't want it any other way. How do uh, you feel about Milwaukee in the first round? If that is the first round matchup, it's the most probable at this point against Miami in the first round. Oh yeah, I meant Miami, not Milwaukee. Um, there's always just like Eric Spolster is a very good co- coach and like will make adjustments and, uh, Jimmy Butler does show up in, in the playoffs, but there's a reason they're 40 and 37. I just don't think they have the offense. That's a series that it should, it'll probably go a game longer than it should. And it'll be annoying for the Celtics to have lost like two games in that series, but there's, I just like, I have no qualms about playing the Miami heat. And like, there's no way the Celtics should lose the Miami heat in a seven game series. Yeah. I'm starting to feel that way too. Um, they would scare you because they've got Jimmy Butler because Bam's so good defensively because Spolstra is just truly amazing. Um, because it can go zone and like throw you out of your game and do all that weird stuff, but you watch the offense; it's just gross. Like 
when they played the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, not last year, but uh, in the bubble, like that offense was fucking beautiful. They were flying around screens. Duncan Robinson was drilling threes. Now it's just, it's tough to watch their offense. They're 25th ranked offense. They have a minus 1.3 net rating. And I know Jimmy's missed some time. And I know they they haven't, they've been like kind of searching for stuff all season. But unless they have like a, <laughs> they they're just waiting to unleash holy hell offensively then I just I don't think they can score enough points. I don't think they're um, waiting 80 games to unleash their uh, amazing offense, but that I mean if the, they're if they if anyone's going to do it it's going to be heat culture. <laughs> but the, uh, to to be fair, like Duncan Robinson and Max Drews can both shoot the shit out of it and both have had awful shooting seasons. Is that something that just dun- snaps snaps back after a one play-in win and he just automatically Duncan Robinson's a rotation player again? Probably not, <laughs> but but uh, and then the other piece that I do think would be concerning for the Celtics, and maybe it's not. They they've done a much better job taking care of the ball. They force a lot of turnovers, and like if Jimmy takes over a game defensively, gets a few steals, it could be a longer series than you'd want. Um, and I think among the teams they could play, Miami's the toughest, but. Oh, you you would be definitely rooting for the Hawks as a Celtics fan in that first no, round seven eight although matchup. That was a, I mean Brooklyn almost lost to Houston, and that that would have been a huge loss for. Uh, the oh Celtics. yeah, I'm ju- I'm just assuming if, that if Brooklyn it's... had fallen to seventh, they there's still like a tiny chance for them to do that. But if 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 they fall to seventh, like that's the perfect matchup. Yeah, they are not good enough to do anything. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think that's fair. I'm assuming the standings stay like pretty much where they are. Although the Celtics have two games against the Raptors to end out the season, that could have big implications for the fir- the the play-in game because right now both the Raptors and the Hawks are locked in at 38 and 38. So maybe the Celtics can like sneak. Who would you control- prefer to play out of those two? I would prefer to play the Raptors because I want to see Nick Nurse cry. Uh, <laughs> but the Raptors are much better to me. Yeah, no, from a, like a pure like risk of being beat, you want you want to play the Hawks just because it's like I just think they're a worse basketball team. And I like, also make, think the Celtics would score like 150 points a game in that series. Yeah, I think the Raptors are just like confusing enough, and Nick Nurse would throw out like a new zone that no one has ever even seen before. Uh, and just and they, they're also like they've been legitimately good with Jakob Pertl on the court. Yeah, they, much, they much better with so Jakob Pertl on the uh, – like, their record's much better. So, I guess I'd prefer to play the Hawks in that scenario. Uh, but we'll see what the Celtics do in their their home – back-to-back home games against the Raptors coming up. Uh, we'll see if anyone even plays. Uh, let's go to Grant G right now. has been waiting for a while. Grant, thank you for joining us here on Anything is Potable. G-Rant. Hey, how's it going? Good. How you doing? Uh, way better now. Uh, <laughs> I'm rocking with the uh, Joshua B vibes of being like a arrogantly confident Celtic fan after tonight's lo- uh, win. And uh, Tatum look- was looking like uh, Zava from AFC Richmond out there. making Lo- every Love Richmond that shot. reference. Love that reference. I got you, man. Uh, <laughs> proving they have the uh, most dynamic bench of the 
in the NBA. And here's a little trend for the uh, Celtics against the Bucks. The past five games against them, going back to game six, they're averaging 19 made threes against them. 42% for th- from three. I think that's outstanding. <laughs> um, I don't have the Bucks made threes, but they definitely have had single-digit made threes against the Celtics. Um, but I, I don't know if you saw the end of the game scuffle with Thanasis and uh, Blake, but I think that's the most memorable moment from tonight for oh, an sure. Cooper brother. And best of all, they easily covered the plus two. A lock. Because <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to with the bad beats. And uh, my last point, uh, does this almost lock up Jalen Brown being the third team forward? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I don't know if it locks it up, but his case keeps getting stronger and stronger. And having that first quarter against that opponent in a nationally televised game. Well, that's that's the first quarter. That's the only quarter anyone watched. And so if people take away <laughs> from that game is that yeah, Jalen Brown's quite good. Yeah, and he's he's been consistently great lately. Um, like for a while, he was the only starter playing well. And he just kind of woke up everybody else. And now the others are playing well, with the exception, of obviously, of the Washington game. 
and and Jalen still is. Um, he's been great. He, I think he ha- he has a chance to get second team All NBA. Ooh. Um, but I has, do has think Fred Katz updated his polling. You have new inf- intel on that? No, no, just just from looking at the options, uh, one of the second team forwards in Fred Katz's poll was Julius Randle, who's going to miss the last two weeks of the regular season. Um, so I assume he will fall from that perch at least and maybe off all NBA teams entirely. Who's the who's the like giving Lowry Markin was the other was the third team and then Jimmy Butler was also second team. But who's the third one? So it's Tatum, Giannis as the two forward spots are first team, and then what's the second team? The second was Jimmy Butler and Julius Randle, and then third was Lowry Markinen and Jalen Brown. Has Jimmy um, Butler had that good a season? Jimmy, when Jimmy's out there, like he's been, yeah, awesome. How many games has he played? Like all the all the analytics show that he's just been awesome. He's played sixty one games, I think. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Um, don't ask me why I knew that off the top of my head. Yeah, you're a weird basketball freak sometimes. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, so. Jimmy will be up there. And then, like, LeBron is going to make a late run now that he's healthy, probably. Uh, I don't know how many games he's going to finish up with, but he'll be close. Um, who else? Kawhi could. Kawhi, KD, maybe get Kawhi some could make a late run. Yeah, KD, like, he's going to end up with a lot of games missed. But when he's healthy, like, he's been arguably, like, right up there at MVP level. So. Probably not even arguably, like he's been up there at MVP level. So it's it's gonna be probably a tougher field than the than Katz's poll indicated, but Jalen just keeps climbing and at the end of the day, he's gonna be playing for probably the team with the second best record in basketball. Um he's gonna end up playing a lot of games, a lot of minutes, and a lot more games and minutes than everybody else. So with those two things, I think his case is going to be really strong. Are you calling Fred Katz's poll inaccurate? You saying he doesn't use good polling standards? No, he he talked to thirty nine people, including yeah, yours well, truly. But was it a representative sample? What's it his was, p? What was his p value? I don't know what the p value was. I don't know what the z score was. I don't know. Wow. Any of that shit. I thought P-Value was going to throw you for a loop, but you came back at me with a better statistic reference. That's well done, J. King. You must remember I'm, your college-level statistics. I'm a, I'm a mathematician. I, I far really from it. Far from it. I was a New England math champion one year in eighth grade. You peaked at math in eighth grade. What, algebra? What is the New England math champion competition in eighth grade even test? I don't know. It was some test, and uh, I was so embarrassed because – because you were they good called at my math? name out over the loudspeaker to like congratulate me, and I was like, "Fuck, I don't want to be a nerd." Matthew King, did they call you Matthew at that point? <laughs> they probably did, yeah. And you were just like, "Damn it, I'm so, I gotta go hoop," so people don't think I'm a math nerd. Yeah, yeah, that was a tough day for the kids. <laughs> tough day when you won an award for being smart. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's go now to Jonathan R. Jonathan, thanks for joining us on Anything Is Potable. Fellas, there's only one statistic that matters. It's vibes and the back. <laughs> you, can't, you can't come to town with Grayson Allen, with the masses, the cloud, and the combo, and the combo, and uh, 
the uh, effort, the uh, shall not be named uh, Miles, I guess I named him, and expect to beat, you know, Blake Griffin, Luke Cornett. You can't, you can't, you can't beat those vibes <laughs> in seven days. Come on. And is I, I, the only question is, is there anything worse than headbutting a guy and then watching him laugh at you? <laughs> <laughs> that does have to be tough. Uh, I I I just got to start off. the The start to that call was just fantastic. <laughs> it was amazing. There's only one stat that matters, and it's vibes. <laughs> just 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 an incredible quote. Like that should be on a T-shirt somewhere. Um, but yeah, that's that does have to be tough. I, I will say, like you really have to be courageous to headbutt someone because you are risking danger to yourself. Like, I, I can't imagine that's pleasant for the guy who headbutts. Yeah, you're going head on head there. It's it's going to hurt both parties. You've really got to execute that well to to make sure you don't hurt yourself. And so from that standpoint, I think Thanasis achieved his goal of doing it without like knocking himself out. But But at the same time, Blake ate it. <laughs> Blake ate, ate it, it and, and then he, immediately he guffawed. In um, guffawed in his face. Ha he ha, giggled in sir. his face and then proceeded to miss the first free throw, which convinced Bucks fans that maybe he would miss both and earn them whatever they get. Free chicken, chicken free fried yeah. chicken. <laughs> but then he he made the second and started chirping at the the fans and everything. So, do you remember when Isaiah Thomas almost fought that fan because? Uh, he made the free throw and they didn't get a frosty. And then he gave one of the most hilarious post game interviews ever. <laughs> I I somewhat remember that. That was in DC, wasn't it? Uh, no, I think it was in Philly. Was uh, it in Philly? Either one. It was great. But getting back to Thanasis, something I found out tonight about Thanasis. Do you know that he's a fellow podcaster like us, and he has a podcast called Thanalysis? So that was when Isaiah was with the Wizards, but it was against Philly. In yes, Philly. but um, I think I yeah. think Thanasis was just trying to create content for Thanalysis, like that. And then he gets ejected from the game, and all the Thanalysis. Bucks players are like dapping him up and like giving him high fives, like he's done a good job. And he's supposed to be like the energy oh, hold guy. On, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You just slid in thanalysis. I said thanalysis the first time, and you just brought up what, like, we're clarifying whether where Isaiah Thomas plays. Maybe I just missed it the first time. I I thought you said it, and then realized how bad it was. No, just, no, like, no. Kept he, going on with your point. He has a podcast called Thanalysis. <laughs> Actually, yes. <laughs> how did I not know this? It must be a bad podcast if I don't even know. You consider yourself a, a great consumer of uh, Thanasis content, and you don't know Thanalysis? No, no I don't. I, I never have, never will. You know how like um, every, like Draymond Green gets in a scuffle, and everyone's like, "Oh, what's Draymond going to say on the podcast?" Thanasis is trying to start that with his podcast, so now everyone's going to be tuning in to the next Thanalysis to hear what he has to say about the headbutt. Yeah. I think I'm turning into uh, the number one Thanalysis uh, fan on the internet right now. Thanalysis seems like, I mean, maybe it's a good podcast. And if so, then that's the way to get into the content game with a nice little <laughs> headbutt. 
I will headbutt you in the media game just so we can talk about it on the podcast. I text I texted one of my group chats. I was like, I'm I'm gonna become a headbutter now. <laughs> he inspired me. There's well, something about a guy that headbutts. You've got to be crazy to headbutt. It's it's like not, he like, he didn't hurt Blake Griffin and Blake Griffin smiled and everything and it, it didn't escalate or anything like that. But inside Blake Griffin must have been like that motherfucker's crazy. Like, like really, I'm I'm not gonna try that guy because he's nuts. I know that it's a it's a wild card move. Uh, I feel like the he the Nassis anytime he comes into a game he starts a fight. Like that's just kind of this what is the he second does. time the Celtics have gotten into it with him. Remember. Yeah, though, the little that's Marcus what, Smart thing. That's what he does. He comes into a game and he just like th- tries to start fights. Like that's uh, he wasn't even much. in that game though, was he? Oh no, he, he wasn't. Was he was just on the bench. Yeah. yeah, and he was just screaming at Marcus Smart. Yeah, that's that sounds right. It was Christmas. He ruined Smart Christmas too. Great answer. <laughs> Smart gave such a great answer to that because he's like, yeah, I, I couldn't even really be mad because if it was my brother out there, like. I'd be getting into it with guys too. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, plus I have a lot of respect for, for Giannis and Thanasis. So like, <laughs> wasn't that big a deal? He was like, however, he did have an invitation to come meet me outside. <laughs> <laughs> I did offer to thoroughly kick his ass in the hallway, uh, but I'll be playing. A lot of respect like... there. I would have done it too, but. Well, that's what he's saying. He he's like. <laughs> to meet me outside, he could have. Uh, he was basically saying, I have a lot of respect for like the brothers in aggregate. Like if you put all the brothers together, just because of what Giannis does, I have a lot of respect for all of them. If you split them up, he, he really maybe appreciates their skills challenge appearances. Yeah. If you split up each one individually, I might have a little bit less respect for Thanalysis. I'm just gonna call him Thanalysis from now on. I can't think of anything other than that. Um but yeah, maybe that's maybe that's what the Bucks needed to get their energy up uh, heading into the postseason. Who knows? I am flummoxed. Like, I mean, everyone's tuning into the analysis. The next analysis episode. He had former Celtics great Vin Baker on one of the episodes discussing his troubles with alcohol. I don't know. Well, I wonder. What, well, I guess we'll have to tune in to find out. Um, let's go to Ben D waiting patiently ben thanks for joining us here on anything is potable ben d hey yo ben ben hey there we go oh hey guys um i wanted to share my favorite moment which was after the headbutt when blake griffin tried on Jalen Brown's mask, <laughs> which funny? I thought was hilarious. Um, um, one more thing, and then I'll ask my question. Um, but I wanted to say that I shouted you guys out in my cover letter for a job application at The Athletic a couple weeks ago. Ooh, so. Awesome. Appreciate you. <laughs> just, just I want you to let you know that I have no clout at The Athletic, and I don't think Jay does either, but I appreciate the <laughs> shout out. <laughs> Um, yeah, I definitely well, have no clout. Either way, you guys got the shout out. Um, my question: What is, do you what what position are you going for? Um, so I'm thinking about applying for another one, but this one's like an associate editor for like uh, basically live and, and breaking news coverage. Awesome. Good luck. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. 
Um, my question is, do you think that if Giannis was not in the NBA, would Thanalysis uh, be in the NBA? Oh, no. Hell no. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Thanalysis is there for two things. Vibes. Uh, three things. Vibes. His incredible podcast, which I just found out about one minute ago. And... And just support for his brother. That's it. <laughs> like, I did see uh, a, a like an interview. But with he's incredible y- at supporting his brother. Oh my god! He seems like an incredible sibling, an incredible teammate. Like I'd want Thanasis on my back too if, if I was one of the best players in the world. If there was an award for best hype man in the league or like best fifteenth guy on the bench, Thanasis would win it uh, ten times out of ten. I saw Giannis quote like from a week ago or talking about like, I think the analysis missed a couple games and he's just like, yeah, man, the energy was off. Like he just did like the, the team just didn't have it tonight because we didn't have the analysis uh, in this game. And so you got to give him credit. Like you talk about role players in the NBA sticking around because they accept their role and they know their role. And the analysis does his job uh, every single night. He brings the hype. And um, I want to I want to revisit my answer again um, because I, I want to say Thanasis would have a chance because no. look at Theo Pinson. Just look <laughs> okay, at Theo Pinson. I don't think that's a great comparison point for guys who deserve to be in the league. No, but guy who is in the league. It wasn't about deserving. There was nothing he's, to deserve he's about. He's borderline too. I think if it was just based on talent alone, you take Pinson over Thanasis every single time. Maybe. I've never known anything Thanasis do- has done in game, like as a he basketball player. He actually was a rotation guy for a little while. Thanasis was. Yeah. Who's rotation? The herd. The Bucks. Not in my NBA. Oh no! This was like three years ago, maybe. I just don't believe it. And then he, he got was. worse. And then, he, like, what happened? They just got a much better bench. They, uh, then they just stopped playing him. He played in 57 games in 2020, 2021. Uh, and I believe, was that a, that was the short year that only had 72 games, played 10 minutes a game. Huh? What was Theo Pinson's best? Had year? three starts. Oh, (laughs) so I do want to mention that Blake Griffin putting on the mask was funny, but I do. I think we haven't talked enough about and talk about vibes heading into the playoffs. Blake Griffin's growing out like a 70s porno stash, and I think that's just exactly the kind of shenanigans and tomfoolery this team needs to keep the team loose headed into uh, the high tension playoffs. I just, uh, I'm a big fan of the mustache on Blake Griffin. I feel Why like he could be hasn't in... the rest of the team adopted one. Well, because I don't think the rest of the team can probably grow a mustache. If you just, I'm just going through the roster right now. Jason Tatum could. He's got a beard. That's not a mustache, though. And I think Jason Tatum's is just, he's not a, a goofy playoff mustache type of guy. If the Bus One boys wanted to do it, if Luke Cornett and maybe Muscala throw on a mustache i think that's good there's zero chance peyton pritchard can grow a mustache sam hauser probably can't grow a mustache so i think peyton he, pritchard I, could could grow like an adam morrison mustache i bet yeah and that's not that's not cool 
uh, and you need to be cool in your mustache growth. And I think Blake's the only one capable of pulling it off. What's the most adventurous oh. facial hair you've ever had, J. King? I have no facial hair. Um, ever? You've never, like, if you just don't shave for a while, I what happens? Grow, I can grow, like, a despicable, like, spotty goatee. Um, but I, I don't get sideburns. Like, I don't get, I hardly get any. I get, like, a couple patches on my cheeks, but, like, that's it. It's It's truly disgusting. And even if I grew it out for, like, five years, it would never come close to being thick or full or good looking um one of the things i've always wanted was to, the ability to just grow a five o'clock shadow Ooh, like yeah, i, I is, wanted to just cool. have a badass five o'clock shadow um i don't think i've I ever seen that, you with like scruff or anything you don't you have no capabilities that's because i can't like and when i go a couple days without it it just looks so disgusting like i look like a 12 year old boy that's the type of <laughs> yeah, yeah, facial 12. hair that i have <laughs> You know all those twelve-year-old boys with uh, gross facial hair. Well, I have like like when you're first getting like the peach fuzz, that type. Like it's really <laughs> gross. Yeah, uh, that's it, it's not good. It's you're no Blake Griffin. I feel like Blake Griffin with that mustache could go right in to be playing like a '70s cop, um, and I think that's the ideal type of mustache you want. Uh, and who knows? He might. Like, he might. He does. He be... does production. He has a movie coming out. He has the new White Man Can't Jump. He does a lot of things. So maybe, maybe this is just for a role we don't know about yet. I did ask him about the uh, the casting for that Clippers show. <laughs> oh, you know, what was his response? He he did not think the uh, the choice to play him was <laughs> was very good. Well, maybe it's just based on acting alone. Maybe not. It's just purely based on appearance. He should know that as someone who's in the business. Yeah, yeah, but uh, from a from the standpoint of well, sheer of, lookalike, of looks, it didn't fail. Not, not exactly a lookalike. Uh, All right, can we just talk to... about my tiny TV for a second? Well, you gotta get, we gotta get Zane Zane T in, who's been waiting for a while, and then we'll close uh, out. We'll, with we'll tease the tiny TV, tiny television. Zane, thank you for joining us. Thank you for waiting. Uh, join us here on Anything Is Potable. Yeah, good to be here. I mean, I just want to think back to that Bulls game that we had where Marcus is calling out the Jays. We're not passing. We've lost those. We're three and five. And, you know, it was a regular season. But everyone was like, the vibes are off. The energy's not there. I don't know if I trust this team. And as high as we are right now, you know, I think after the Wizards game, after a bunch of these games we've been playing lately, it feels like, can we trust this team? The national media, a bunch of fans doomers on the subreddit like everyone's talking about oh like i don't know if this team actually can turn it on and we can trust them in the playoffs but like you guys said earlier king's game sixers game this game since the playoffs like since we're gearing up for the playoffs post all-star break it feels like i know i can trust this team and i didn't know that you know at the beginning of the 22 season i feel like this team really can turn it on when they need to we have the coast a little bit coming at the end of the regular season. And, you know, as a Celtics fan who's been following this team for how long, like, it feels like we're in a place with my team. And uh, about that excited about getting ready for the playoffs and seeing what this team can do when we're on every night. We have rest every other game. Yeah, I think that, like, Thinking back to the the Marcus calling them out, uh, like two seasons ago, they've come leaps and bounds, and I do think they're like in a much better position, having gone through 
to quote Jay King, just talk about all the hard times that the, the Jays have been through in their entire career. I do think they're like <laughs> just primed to be able to put up with like a long regular season and uh, are very prepared for like whatever can be thrown at them uh, at this point. And so, especially after a 41 point the, victory. At the beginning of last season, like through the middle of last season, they were still trying to find out, figure out how to play together. Like they didn't know that. Now they know. And and there can be a strength to that. There can be a power to that. Um, sometimes when they don't seem to care, there's probably a downside to that too. But the other part of it too is like Robert Williams coming back just makes a huge difference. Like, <laughs> he's, he's very Rob, good, like a luxury off the bench just to be able to bring Robert Williams in. And it, he hasn't played, I think 22 minutes is the most he's played since he came back from injury. Um he didn't have like a huge statistical game tonight, but I just felt like his energy just uh, like picked them up. And Jalen had an incredible start; like they had a good start. But then Rob comes in, they miss a bunch of shots, and he just gets every offensive rebound. Like keeps their energy at such a high level, brings it to another level, and just just the the energy he plays with is just. It's different. Um, he had that huge block on Giannis from behind. That was just an awesome, awesome play. I, I thought he was fantastic tonight. Um, and one of the reasons why they were able to keep pushing out that lead and push out that lead. And then, obviously, they they just made a ton of buckets and, and just ran away with it. But I thought when the game was a little tougher early on, he was one of the reasons why it started to to get out of control a little bit. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, and I think what's also fair is that a man ridiculed you today for having a tiny television. That was just a terrible segue. Can you can you but, paint uh, can you paint the scene for us? I thought it was a pretty good segue. So so I I, I bought a TV screen for my desk. Um because of course the the one thing I need to do is be able to watch even more basketball. And, yeah, you uh, didn't think you were consuming enough basketball content. You were like, man, I need to be able to watch <laughs> basketball while I'm writing about basketball and watching basketball. Exactly. Uh, so so I, I went and bought a 24-inch TV. Thought it was just a great purchase. Is it like Still a flat screen? Does it sit on your desk? Yeah, it's, How it's do you a, even, it's a little it's, stand? It's a, it's a, it has a little stand. It's a uh, smart TV. Like nothing fancy. Uh, it was the cheapest option. Where does that run like you like getting, 70 getting bucks? A monitor or something like that? Yeah. Huh. Yep, 70 bucks. Um, I should be on the prices right. That was for, like excellent pricing guessing. <laughs> so, so I'm walking out of Best Buy with with the TV under in your my arm? Arms. Was it under your arm like holding yeah, it? Like a I, I was it? holding it and some guy outside of Best Buy looks at me and he said, "What's that? A TV?" <laughs> And I said, yep. And he said, must be a TV for your damn bathroom. Then. <laughs> of all the things to like, get chirped for. <laughs> I, got, I, was, I was so happy about the purchase, like excited. Um, honestly, I'm sure he won't mind that I share this on the podcast. But so I, I went to, to Sam Amick's house when I was in Sacramento on the Celtics trip. Like just stopped by his house real quick. And his office has like seven fucking screens. I think it's actually four or five. 
but like the sheer amount of screens, I was like, I need more screens. <laughs> Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.